Kelly here, joined ever by my co-host, Peter Cunin. And welcome to Fan Theories. It's been a little bit. Uh, took a little month break. Been a minute. Been a minute. Um, we got a puppy. So, um, and if you've ever had a puppy or a child, uh, you know that puppies don't really want you to do an hour-long podcast because it doesn't involve them. So, but now our puppy is, is, is bigger and, you know, smarter. Smarter. She'll allow us to do this. So that's why we're back with a very exciting new episode of Fan Theories because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite things to talk about ever for, for 10 hours <laughs> is Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. So when we are joined, um, it just so happens, just so happens that the Their Network has a fantastic Game of Thrones podcast already. So we want to welcome the our friends, the hosts of Wednesday and Westeros, uh, Todd and Taylor. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Thank you for joining us. This is probably going to be longer than one of our normal podcasts because one, we have a lot to talk about. And two, we all like to talk about it. Especially, I mean, Game of Thrones. I have not read the books. You know, I'm in that very, I know, I shouldn't even be talking right Get now. Get out. I'm this disturbing <laughs> look right now. I wish I could translate that. Anyway, um, but I do love the show. And so I love to talk about, you know, my perhaps unique per- perception of the, uh, of the, yeah. Yeah. And I That's think great. We, yeah, we on the we Todd Taylor side. You guys. Yeah, Taylor has not read. So yeah, that's Taylor right. Safety numbers, safety numbers, safety numbers, man. Yeah. Safety numbers. Yeah. numbers. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about on the Wednesday and Westeros podcast when I've joined you guys. Everyone's kind of brought into how they got into Game of Thrones and kind of what their knowledge base is. So Peter said, "You only show." no books yeah i'm yeah. i am only show i am no books i am also not keen on the spoilers i know there's lots of people out there what? who want all the things and so that's kind of a weird uh middle ground to talk about fan theories but not get spoiled mm-hmm. so uh good luck me good yeah. luck taylor <laughs> <laughs> well taylor, i i'll just say out of the gate me. i'll just say out of the gate i um you know i i was trying to spoil myself as much as possible just to keep up with the book readers um book stopped and now we're all sort of in the same boat show wise except for some big stuff that we'll we'll get into today but i'm uh, i'm i'm eager i'm ready yeah i like that the, this part of the fan theories is yeah. that i'm going to talk about a couple of book fan theories and how they might tie into the show and so that fi- that kind of i feel like oh finally as a book reader i get another leg up on these dumb <laughs> show only watchers yeah guys <laughs> and- we are we are well uh past in most respects, the books, the, aren't we? Uh, At yeah. least going into this season. Yeah, going into this season, we we are very much in uncharted territory. So even book readers like Todd and I, we're still we're we're on the same train as everyone else. If we really don't know what is going to happen, um, you just guys are you're in the privileged cart of the train, you know, with the yeah. booze and the <laughs> snacks, and Taylor and I in the back going, you know, we need our peanuts. Yeah, like that we maybe. <laughs> But well, yes. we were. I feel like we just got kicked back. Like we yeah. took a Southwest flight and we're all in coach. <laughs> nice. And Todd, did you read the books before you watched the show or after you started watching the show? I stopped watching season one so I could read the first book. And then I think watched the second season and right after that read the next four. <laughs> Okay. I think that's yeah. how it went. Yeah. Season two did it for you. Yeah. I was not some super nerd that like read them in 97 or whatever, you know. 
there are people like one of my friends she did like it's when i got into the show she was like i've read these books for like 10 years and i'm like oh, okay well i was reading harry potter for all the time okay that's gotta be an amazing out. experience yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm so jealous of that i would have loved to have you know been in on that train like to see that first season materialize it was so close to the book that that would have yeah. been um, incredible true all right so we have some some back and forth of book book and tv show tv show only so hopefully these theories as many of our listeners probably are in the same boats we'll try to talk enough about how they tie into both book and TV show that you guys will kind of get a, a more well-rounded version of each theory. Indeed. We'll, we'll do our best. Well, without further ado, let's talk about our, our main topic, probably the biggest topic aside from who will end up on the stupid sword chair at the end of all this. <laughs> stupid sword chair. Stupid sword chair. Hashtag Ga that, please. Game of stupid sword chair. Um, and this theory is who is Azora's eye? the or high the light bringer the prince who was promised the fighter of darkness it's not stanos it it's definitely not <laughs> we can start ruling people out yeah. i don't know we yeah, never it's saw like easier to pick who is not it we never saw we it. never saw him die on screen there's still opportunity for him to jump back in there and, and prove us all wrong yeah maybe true so for those of you uh, not as intimately familiar with word-by-word -word prophecies, the prophecy of Azor Ahai, Azor Ahai? Azor Ahai. Azor Ahai. Yes. The if you, light if you say it really fast, it doesn't really yeah, matter. Azor Ahai. Yeah. The prince who was promised. And, and for the most part, the two are kind of interchangeable. Like, you know, they, they talk about in the books a little bit more that different cultures have different names for this messiah-like character but for the most part it's the same person um so the prophecy goes like this there will come a day after a long summer when the stars bleed and the cold breath of darkness falls heavy on the world in this dread hour a warrior shall draw from the fire a burning sword and that sword shall be Lightbringer, the red sword of heroes and he who clasps it shall be azor ahai come again and the darkness shall flee before him it's pretty awesome. That's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty uh, lengthy prophecy. Yeah. Now, <laughs> pretty specific, Emily, can I yeah. ask you a, a book nerd question? Yes. Um, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it, it, this prophecy does say, shall be Azor Ahai come again. Do we know the original coming of Azor Ahai? What that yeah, legend so is? Yeah, it's, so it's kind of, like I said, like a Messiah type deal. So, you know, it, it's like a Jesus, like that he, he walked the earth um in where melisandre is from the um asani asai uh i had one of those bowls recently they're great <laughs> asai. <laughs> it was like you know thousands of years ago or like two thousand years ago there was this warrior who banished the darkness um oh, yes. and then shy shy yeah, that's what we're saying died, i guess <laughs> So that Azora High is basically like the reincarnation of this warrior, just like this, like, you know, very similar to the second coming of Christ. Similar. Right. And so it has something to do with the long night. Yeah. And that's and the part where I always get wishy-washy on it. Like, I don't actually know what I know from the books and what I've read from wikis and stuff like that. But I yeah. think Azora High ended the first long night and, and that's the whole like winter is coming. It may be the second long night and then... Azor Ahai would bring them out of that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Just thought I'd bounce that off. You see if I get confirmation. 
Yeah, that's what I remember too of the original Knights King. I mean, they're calling this this White Walker leader the second Knights King. I mean, it could honestly mm. also be the same guy. Like these dudes don't really age; they're zombies. Yeah, or he um, could have been alive, died, and now he's back. Yeah, again. So yeah, it's because now the the same threat or a similar threat has arisen in the north of this winter is coming. Now the prophecy is trying to come to fruition. It's trying. It's trying really hard. Um, so there's a lot to unpack just with the prophecy itself. But there's also Melisandre breaks it down even further of her because Azora High is like her religion, this red religion. Um, and she has she says to John, when the red star bleeds and the darkness gathers, Azora High shall be born again amidst smoke and salt to wake dragons out of stone. I mean, that's black and white, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah obviously we saw the smoke you know yeah uh obviously in a very fun scene flying out of her yep uh and then <laughs> dragons were awake right yep. and um yeah so it's obvious and we saw the red right? star yeah. yeah and the red the red comet yeah so there's really two main i mean there's a lot of like third party candidates which i think are really fun and we'll talk about them in a minute but the two main candidates are obviously john snow or john Targaryen, whatever. You would Thank like you to for correcting to. that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> John is he's, he's not a bastard. And Danny, my girl, Daenerys Targaryen herself. Um. So, I, what, who, who are you guys team? What, what team are you on for this, this prince that was promised? I'm going to take Team John, and then let uh, let Taylor take one of the third party candidates. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Well, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to definitely, I want to say team John, but when we get to the third party stuff, there was something in the trailer that gives me pause. Ooh. So, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, and then that could be any number of things, but I would say the most likely is going to be John just because Danny's had so many magical things happen to her. Um, that I just feel like John's like sort of the full formation of his character is dependent on him ascending to this, this level. And he came back from the dead. So I feel like there's there's got to be more reason for that than just hey he's cool like no he's got to he's got to have something else going on with him. Well, Emily, let's hear your uh, what's your campaign? What's your stump speech for uh, Team Danny? Okay, what are you gonna be though, Peter? Oh, I'm uh, Peter Dinklage all the way. <laughs> your team Tyrion, oh, your yeah. team third party as well. Secret Targaryen, Tyrion okay. Targaryen, right? Not a great leader. <laughs> okay, so yes, my stump speech team team vote Danny. Targaryen. Um, so Danny was born <laughs> at Dragonstone, which is this like little tiny island uh, off the coast of Westeros, which plays into this salt uh, part of the prophecy uh, that she was literally born on an island at sea and then was reborn in a sense under the Red Comet because her and the, the, um, uh, Man, the horse people. I was gonna call him Kunari. That's uh, not right. <laughs> both Rocky. Both Rocky. Yeah, the Dothraki were traveling across the the endless desert while this red comet was in the sky, and she was reborn via fire, 
which plays into the smoke when she goes into Drago's fire, you know, fire, uh, death pyre or whatever. And in that same sense, she literally woke dragons from stone. Like those dragon eggs that she's, she was carrying around that whole time were just like rocks. Like, Mm-hmm. They, yeah they weren't real dragon eggs like they were just petrified pieces of rock that look like dragon eggs so i mean that's it's just so it's too specific like for me to ignore that and also there was one really interesting um piece that uh bendrick dundarian our favorite uh <laughs> our favorite zombie bandit um said that there was a legend that the flaming sword of lightbringer was born of a loving woman the loving wife's heart and since danny was reborn while she was grieving drago like she didn't know that she would survive the flames the first time she just was like that my life is over like my son is dead my husband is dead that my people are dying i'm just gonna go into the fire with my dragons too mm-hmm. that her flaming sword is not so much a sword is that these literal three dragons <laughs> that she flies around with oh metaphor um, my last sword. little bit of of team danny team danny inf- info is when maester aemon in, in the books i can't remember if he ever talks about it in the show um it's one of those little details you kind of forget but i distinctly remember in the books he is telling sam or john that in High Valerian, the word prince is used as a gender gender neutral term. So when the prophecy was translated from High Valerian, you know, people just assumed, as this is a patriarchal society for the most part, that they just meant a man as a prince and not a princess. And so that's why I I'm super duper team Danny. Like if it's not her, I won't be mad. But I just feel like there's so many more things in her background than John that that are so closely tied to the prophecy um, that it it has to be her. I can I ask? A, can I ask a question? Yeah, and I, I I feel embarrassed for asking this because I own the World of Ice and Fire, that awesome <laughs> encyclopedia thing. But has does Azor Ahai ever tie into the three-headed dragon um, myth uh, no, that the show hasn't really touched on yet? No, I think that's a different thing. Like the three-headed dragon comes from. A, I think we'll talk about this a little bit later too. But the those are two different things. The three-headed dragon comes from a vision that Danny saw in the House of the Undying. Mm-hmm. where her brother Rhaegar comes to her and says the dragon has three heads as the Targaryen um, sigil is a three-headed dragon. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is different. Um, and I get what you're saying to or ta- both of you of, that she's kind of already had all these like crazy, mystical, magical things happen to her. Like if she's also this warrior princess, like it would maybe be a little too much like let maybe let someone else have some of the magic and like the attention well the reason the reason i ask is it everything you just laid out makes great sense to me (laughs) and i'm like maybe the maybe azura high is meant to be and maybe the show somehow rectifies this this way maybe azura high is three different individuals um tied together you know like the elements of each part of the prophecy have to come from three different people. And, you know, as we get further into the sort of the candidates, I wonder if that, wonder if that isn't sort of where they're thinking of going. That's an well, interesting and then, point. And Here then comes the Tade rebuttal. 
their powers together, they form Azura High. <laughs> yes. powers combined. Right. Exactly. Like Voltron. Like Fire! Wind! <laughs> Ice! <Yeah>. Azura High! <laughs> Whatever Tyrion has. So, fuck winter. So, fuck winter. Um, yeah. I would like some winter right now because right now at our house, it's 111 degrees. <laughs> so please... Some winter, please send come. ice. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my uh, here's my um, John Targaryen uh, stump speech. Yes. Uh, I love all your points. I think you have got an ironclad evidence in the dragons, especially in the books. They really refer to those dragon eggs being just stone. Mm -hmm. um, I'm like I'm pretty sure that very word is used. So it's like a it's a real clear line, but. Um, and I'm not thinking along the lines that you were about born among the smoke and salt, but you, there's a good case for John that, that you noted in our show notes here. He was uh, born among the smoke in the, the battle of the tower of joy and the salt would be his mother's tears. Um, uh, Arthur Dane, I didn't even know this Arthur Dane's sword, which Ned took after defeating him was allegedly made of meteorite ore, so a fallen star there. Um, but here's, here's my, uh, like I said, here's my stump speech for John which is um, that there is a theory by one crazy Redditor that Lightbringer is not a sword, but a place. And that place is Winterfell, and that the, uh, the winter will break against Lightbringer, i.e. the castle of Winterfell. And there is part of this, I guess, in some of the innuendo and stuff, is it's possible that Bran the Builder, an old, old, old Stark who built the wall and Winterfell, was the original Azor High. And we know that he's infused the wall with this magic that stops the White Walkers from coming across it. Uh, and that he's uh, weaved that same magic into the stones at Winterfell around the wall. So that kind of gives it that, that sword feeling that the, you know, that winter's gonna break against it. And, um, and then of course, there's just the, the legacy of, of Bran down to Jon, who's part Stark, you know, even though he's uh, in the Targaryen lineage as well. <laughs> <laughs> so that I'm pulling all of my John's putting all my John Snow uh votes behind that theory that if Lightbringer is the actual castle, then John is Azora High. Do you yeah. think though, do you think I mean the show has not delved into nearly as many details as the books have? Do you think some of that will hold water uh on the show? No. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm just like they've never. I don't think they've ever mentioned that about Winterfell. Now we have that sort of that that wild card of Sam being at, uh, you know, Ma Maester Hogwarts for want of a better oh, term. Old town. Old yeah. town. Yeah, and it's. Hogwarts. I love that. And I feel like the only reason he's there is to deliver like giant chunks of exposition about this stuff. Like he's in like the the oldest library in all of Westeros. God, so I it's wish like been doing that all along. I know, right? It's like maybe the whole like it'd be awesome if like the whole almost like American Gods, like if each episode started with a maester like you know speaking of the ancient you know ancient times or something, right. we could have got a lot of info dump. But but I'm wondering like if they're you know that seems the convenient mechanism for them to to you know to give us some of this info. Not to say they can't that you know like he could say oh wow Winterfell used to be called that interesting you know like but I just I wonder how much of that with given how many episodes we actually have to finish the story. You know what? What are they going to focus on to to really get us to that point where they reveal it? Um, and hey, there's another point there too. What if they? What if there is no Azor Ahai on the show? What if they just sort of glaze over it? Yeah, and that's one of the like the third party candidate uh, guys is Rhaegar Targaryen. 
Daenerys's brother and Jon's father of that he's dead and maybe it was him all along and it's kind of like it's it's like really pessimistic of like well shit we killed him and now winter is coming and we have no one to defeat the Night's King because Rhaegar's already dead mm. um which would be really sad. It'd be like a really shitty end of this like series we've all watched for like eight years or whatever. I'm like, nah, everyone's dead. Winter took over. We'll start again like in a thousand years. Bye. Hmm. <laughs> that would be that would be just utterly tragic. Of the uh, I guess of the I guess the, what do you want to call it? The, the the B team or the C you know the C team of the uh, of the candidates. Who who does everybody like outside of Danny and John? For other possible, uh, you know, other possible Azura highs, you know, like the the second string candidates, if you will. Hmm. Um, I saw I saw a really interesting theory that it was Davos. Whoa. Uh, yeah, because he. Is uh, friend zone? No, no, Davos Seaworth. <laughs> oh right, Stannis is second in command. I I like that one only because again, a lot of it kind of fits. Like he is a seafaring gentleman. He was born um i think also in dragonstone or on the sea so there's the salt mm. and he is sort of like repurposed after the dragon's fire explosion in um at king's landing so smoke there's like a few other things of and there was one where when they we first kind of see melisandre and he pulls stannis's flaming sword from the sand and and holds it and melisandre kind of looks at him for a minute oh my um, god that's right I, yeah so I, I like and i think that would be kind of cool like again he it, in the books i mean it might just been like a positioning thing so we could understand where stannis was in the books but they've they've given him a, a big voice in the novels and it might be kind of interesting that you know out of someone who thought he was worth nothing to be worth everything wow. and now that he's kind of paired up with john at the mm. wall and fighting you know it could be that could be good could i be like cool. davos yeah yeah i you love that idea sold me on that oh my god because taylor and i talked too about how he's one of the people who has that conversion moment like he yeah. doesn't believe in any of the gods until he sees melisandre's magic and then it's like he starts to believe in all this you know magic in the world and so for him to actually be azora high would be a really cool idea I just love the juxtaposition that Emily laid out where he came from nothing and ends up being yeah. everything. Like just hearing that made me go, oh, mate, I want, I yeah. want this now. I'm going to actively like campaign for this to be the case. <laughs> He's probably a secret Targaryen. Jesus. Yeah. Could you imagine? I don't know. He's a little bit on the older side. Maybe. He was uh, Neville Targaryen. He was rushed, rushed away uh, long ago. <laughs> Never came back. I, here's the thing that throws me off in the trailer, like with like the newest trailer that's come out for season seven, we clearly see an epic shot of Thoros of Mir back, you know, back again, holding a flaming sword that actually, you know, flame ons while he's like sitting there holding it in the shot. And then there's yeah. another like sort of quick take, you know, cutaway where it's a group of people, including John and he's, Thoros is in that group holding the flaming sword again. Um, now, granted, Thoros has wizarding, you know, abilities. Essentially, he's he's yeah. a red red priest. He's got like a lot of that, um, you know, that's you know, kind of that going on. But does that somehow make him either the you know, kind of the the one who gets to choose Azor Ahai? Does he just become it? Like you know, and if he well, was, if that ends up being the case, does that satisfying in any way, shape, or form? And I think too, in the books, I remember Ned, cause Ned fought with him in the rebellion. And he's, he, there's actually a part where he says that, that he dipped his sword in oil 
and lit it on fire before battles to yes. scare people. Oh, okay, and, that's way cooler. And yeah. there's a bit in the uh, in the books too about how brittle that makes his sword after yeah. he, he does it so many times. Um, and that's I does it break? I it may break when he's fighting the hound. Yeah, it does. It yeah. he cuts it like in half or like splinters or something. Yeah, because he's he's set it alight so many times that it's weakened the the blade. But it looks fucking cool. So yeah. oh well. <laughs> <laughs> um man, who are the other Jamie Lannister is another one that gets floated a few times. He's just I so can't crazy. imagine that one's being I know. I can't the only thing, and this is like my thing with John too about the Lightbringer sort of Valerian steel is steel that is made from dragon's fire. That's why it's so rare now. Like it used to be mm. super popular when dragons were around. So that was like my, oh, it's it's a it's a literal flame sword because it's made from dragon's fire. Um, but Jamie's kind of the. <laughs> I don't think it's him. Be cool if it was Brienne somehow. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I mean she's just so awesome, right? Every yeah. time she's on screen, it's like, oh, I need her to be on screen more. Oh, I didn't even list her what, here. Oh, I would say what's I'll, I'll be Team Brienne. The book evidence for that is that in the last two books, she is way the hell away from everybody. Oh. So, I, but they they them. haven't really gotten to these events yet in the book, even like you know the last season. But she's just so far away in wherever it is you know yeah. where she it's it's hard to say that, that that she would have made it back to to the sun alone right yeah and she's also potentially sorry spoiler spoiler alert she's also potentially not in a good place after meeting lady stoneheart mm. so good point also i think she gets horribly wounded in this battle with uh that face eater guy oh um, yeah i think so outside the farmhouse i think she's pretty badly wounded I mean, she was like hung, like Lady Stoneheart hung yeah. her. Like, yeah. I mean, she she she's fine. Like, we know that she's probably okay, but still, it's she, maybe she's like not in fighting shape <laughs> at this point. Like to go like kill some White Walkers. So maybe I struggle. I struggle to wonder why so many people are so amped up about Lady Stoneheart returning on the show at this point. I, I'm sure it's not happening, but just like as shitty as she is, it's like let's see her. Let's see her like do all these terrible things to everybody. It's like really. Yeah. It really doesn't make any sense. I think I think Arya is gonna exact some of the revenge we expected from Lady Stoneheart. So yeah, be, I think so. yeah, not to get off too off topic there. Yeah, well let's let's get really super off topic, but um, with some chaos theories. But before mm -hmm. we do that, so Team Danny, Team John, Team Third Party, those are all really good theories. I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> the show has a little bit of like uh, leeway for the whole Azora High thing to be metaphorical and not necessarily mm. a single person. So I think there's maybe some way they can kind of get around it yeah. in that way. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And I like Taylor's theory too that maybe it's not just one person. I actually, there's right. a theory we'll talk about in a little bit of that maybe it's two people. Plus maybe a third. We don't know. So um, and then we could all be right. Yeah. Then we could all win. <laughs> yes. Okay. So chaos theory. Chaos theory. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was the first one you guys actually proposed, oh, and we. This I is think we one of my favorites. It. Yeah. Oh, it's we, all over. The we internet. talked about. <laughs> we talked about it in our season six wrap up episode roundtable last year, and we laughed really a lot about it. No, it's um, for real. Is that Varys is a merman? 
Merling. 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 Because like how the F did he get from Dorn to Danny so fast? And she was like, did she was she already on the boat when like he was it like what why? How did he do this? Yeah, so there's that. Um, I was rewatching season two this week, and and of course, in all the theories on the internet, you'll find this this kind of cheated out there anyway. But um, just in my rewatching, was shocked when that line comes up where Tyrion uh, threatens to throw him in the sea, and he says, uh, "You might be surprised with the result." Um, <laughs> we've never seen his feet, <laughs> and I'm Probably confirmed. <laughs> there is a uh, there's a scene in the books that's also in the show, but it doesn't have the same details. Where when Arya is um, running through the the corridors and stuff of uh, the Red Keep, um, she happens upon like Illyrio and Varys making plans in this like dark chamber. And in the books, she hears like a squishing of water sound, <laughs> and they seem to appear as from out of a well. Um, one of the things that show watchers point to to confirm this theory is that there's a, a long shot of like Tyrion in Varys's chambers um, in maybe season five, I guess. And there's no bed in the room. There's seemingly only like a, a you know, I, I don't know, just other furniture. Um, a big bathtub. Just, and, then the, you know. and then my favorite part of this theory, which I got from, uh, I had not read in the Reddit theory was on like, there's a Nerdist video where they, they go into this, um, is that uh, presuming winter comes and ice is over everything, and then the dragons melt all that ice, what happens to all that water? Like the whole <laughs> land is going to be underwater. It's going to be a giant water world. And who would want to bring that about? But the Merlings, <laughs> obviously. And the tallest place in Westeros is the Eyrie, which Littlefinger commands. So if right. there's a Littlefinger Varys uh, conspiracy here, it may be to flood the whole world with water so that the Merlings <laughs> can survive and only Peter Baelish stands above it all. Wouldn't it be amazing if, like, at the end of like the epic battle between the uh, you know the Whites and the White Walkers and everybody else and the dragons and the other, you know, they just barely eke out a victory? Then it's like Littlefinger, you know, embarrassed, stand triumphantly from the tower. Now the real battle begins, and everybody just yeah. every show watcher, goes, wait, what? <laughs> when did this become about this? Here's my question though: He was mutilated by that um, dude he had locked up in his uh, torture box. Yes, yeah. The yeah, the sorcerer. Yeah, and it's like. It, this almost makes me wonder, like, was there more to that sort of mutilation than just him taking off his his private parts? Like, was that there? Yeah, like, was there something else? Like, was he experimenting on him somehow, or you know, was there others other stuff involved? You know, like, that just that opens up a whole new line of questioning about there, Garrus. There's a, also one of the evidence that people point to is there's a house whose sigil is a Merling, so there hmm. are Merlings sort of in the history of Westeros. I like it. It's 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 crazy, and I hope that it's true. <laughs> it would be so out of left field if the show just like you just see him like shooting through the water with a tail. That would be so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like an after credit scene on the very final episode. He's just like oh so happy. <laughs> it's Aqualab of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> There's this it's one of the spinoffs. Spin yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was gonna say it was it was Westeros Waterworld yeah. is the a new show. Oh my god, that's so funny. I like it. 
I'm into it. <laughs> Merlings. Oh man. Well, okay. So we talked about the three head. The t- dragon has three heads. So now that John is confirmed, and nobody say it's not confirmed because it fucking is. Oh, totally. <laughs> it is. Totally. That John is a Targaryen. That John is the son of Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen. So now there's two heads of the dragon. So we're still missing one. And in the book, we see a little bit more of like, maybe there is a second secret Targaryen. Maybe not so much of a secret, but that he's been in hiding for all these years, which is little Aegon Targaryen. Um which was one of Rhaegar's uh, sons with uh, Elia Martell. So it was like he was got snuck off King's Landing before the sack and um, has been living as like a, a riverboat child like all these years. So he would be the obvious choice. But another prevailing theory is that Tyrion Lannister is actually a secret Targaryen. Um, it's sort of one of these like you kind of hope for something more for him like he has already suffered enough like maybe he actually is super duper important other than just like being a really baller dude (laughs) um and so in the books this is just for my own thing of that tywin lannister his dad who probably just doesn't like very much very many people in in any way but he really hated the Mad King, not just because he was mad, but because the king alluded to sleeping with Joanna, his wife, whether it was consensual or not, probably not, considering the way that Tywin hated him. Um, but if the Mad, it would have been around this this a, a time when it would have been conceivable that if the Mad King did sleep with Joanna, that maybe Tyrion was actually his son. And perhaps the violence of it um, or the shame and sickness or whatever that she felt twisted him into this form, this, you know, that he is much more deformed in the books than he is in the show. Mm. Um, So maybe he's a secret Targaryen and the dragons seem to like him. So Mm. maybe. I like it. Yeah. I, I was fully on board with this theory before last season started and i don't really know what changed in the last season but i it just seems it just seems really remote to me that the show would confirm this as true really because it's now i'm going to go the opposite way i think in this regard the show has given us just as much if not more information than the books it, like you just watch how his how Tyrion's story has been threaded and you know the especially the the big focus on cersei's hatred of him and jamie's sort of like you know, it, it, Jamie treats him like he's the adopted brother, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And just there, he's always sort of had that estrangement from some of his family. And then Jamie's tried to you know, be the, the bridge, ba- you know, bridge between them. But just the way Tywin has treated him and the things Tywin has said to him in the show. And the fact that Varys was hell-bent on getting him to Daenerys. What, there had to be more to that than just, oh, you're smart and can help Danny. There had to be a bigger reason for him to go to that trouble to, you know, risk his own reputation in King's Landing, basically ruin it. You know, he can't go back um, without conquering it. So like, why would he do that if not to unite those two siblings in that, in that secret? And Varys of all people would actually be the one who would know that. He seems to be like the one of, you know, maybe three or four individuals outside of Taiwan who would actually have that, that you'd be able to confirm that knowledge. Um, well, crap, now that you said that, so I was basing my, my feeling that they hadn't done a lot in the show on the fact that 
they Tywin there was no scene of Tywin alluding to Eris claiming to have slept with Joanna. But um Taylor, you had put in our notes about they they hadn't totally brought up the three-headed dragon mythology on the show. Yeah. But Arya does mention something of the sort to Tywin when she is his cupbearer mm-hmm. back in season two or whatever. Um, because he brings up one of the dragon riders and she's like, and his two sisters. Mm-hmm. And so she knows her history about that. And so just the fact that that happened with Tywin, maybe that is significant. Um, well, and that, think about this. One Tyr- of his children would turn out to be one of those new dragon riders. In season one, Tyrion went up to the wall with John and had like a kind of a bonding moment with John. You know, like there's, and he's had a bonding moment or two with, with Daenerys. Like there he's, they've put him with these people in ways that I think you have ample runway for payoff um, should that time. It's not like they're going to have to like bend over backwards to make that line up if they decide to go that direction, like within one episode, they could very easily like make that reveal. And then yeah, you're, we know it's going to happen. Let me put it, put it this way. We know it's going to happen. If you know how before every episode, they do kind of like the recap cut, <laughs> cut shots of stuff. If we suddenly see a cut shot from season one of John and, and Tyrion on the wall chatting, like it's basically like, I'm going to be screaming out to everybody. It's happening. Here it is. <laughs> Because it's just like, I, what else is that for if not to basically tease us or remind us that these guys are, you know, are, are, are more or less family? You know? Well, they spent so long drawing out John's parentage that it yeah. seems crazy that they would all of a sudden like slip in the secret Targaryen thing. In but it's not. Rest. But it wouldn't be slipped in. Like they, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, just Tyrion's trial in general. Like his, you know, when he's in this cell and like Jamie comes to visit him, what they talk about. And then when, um, uh, oh my God, the badass from um, Dorne, I just forgot his name. Oberon. Uh, Oberon comes in. Like some of their conversation has just, you know, they talk about family and what it means to be part of something or not part of something. And then, um, you know, obviously Tywin's sort of, you know, insult to injury in that regard too. You know, basically saying you've never been any son of mine. Like just so many little things the show has done that I think would add up to that very, very easily. Um, you know, it's not like the sexy thing that like everybody. You know, the sexy rumor theory is that well, John's the secret Targaryen, and yeah, that's you know, that was definitely set up from the beginning too. But if you look at the things that the show did to get us to that point, and the things that the show has done on Tyrion's side, it's pretty equal. Other than there wasn't that big, you know, Tower of Joy sort of flashback. But there was a lot of the little clues and things have been established, so it wouldn't be out of the you know out of the realm of possibility. Well, now I'm liking this more because yeah. you're making me rethink all the John and Tyrion interactions. And before they even get to the wall, in like the first or second episode, they're both outside Winterfell and uh, they have a conversation about being a bastard, yeah, versus being uh, a dwarf, and they relate to each other on that. Or like Tyrion explains to him, like you know this is worse or whatever. Yeah. 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 And, he, and I think that he has a conversation with him too, of that he says, I can't remember the exact words, but he basically says like, just, you know, own, own it being a bat, just own being yeah. a bastard because they, then they can't hurt you with it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And I think there's in the books too, they talk a lot about um, Tyrion as a child, loving going to the red keep and loving being at castle rock because they have all these like dragon skulls Mm. under the castle in king's landing um that he always really liked that like he liked looking at the dragons and being around dragons and pretending he was a dragon rider well let me add let me add one more little thing to that that just occurred to me 
what did he, who was the one person in season two or whatever book two that thought right away, let's use wildfire to take out Stannis's fleet. Basically they didn't have a dragon in, in, in practice, but they had the power of a dragon in, in terms of the wildfire, uh, wildfire stores that they had under the castle. And Tyrion was the one who's like, let's do it. Let's put, I mean, he had no reservations about it. Um, you know, like you've got moments in the show where he's highlighted in this way, in the same way that John, and the same way that Danny is, and in a way that you know uh, Sansa is not, and Arya is not. Like they've really focused on like kind of building the mythology and like showing you like, hey, they've grown in this way, and like Danny's you know grown and evolved to become this this fearless leader, and John, same thing, Tyrion, same thing. Um, what's the point of Tyrion's journey in that regard if it's not to some bigger end that? you know, gets yeah. us to it you know, on equal footing with those other two characters. I just, there's the more I think about it, the more just sort of little details pop up where I'm like, man, if it's not that fine, but you could easily, easily, easily make it, make it a case. Well, and it, Emily, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I didn't immediately recall this because I have read the Tyrion theory stuff before, but I, when I just Googled it, I was reminded that in the books, Tyrion has one black eye and one mm. blue eye, I believe, oh, something yeah. like that. Cool. And he has whitish blonde hair, whereas the Lannisters are, you know, just generally known for this like yellow blonde hair. Yeah, I remember that too. Um, I forgot about the eyes. You're right. Um, hmm. Yeah, it I makes, like it. Yeah, it really helps the uh, <laughs> that that narrative for sure cool i hope it's true i do too <laughs> as much as i hate like you know we've like blah 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 secret targaryen and then it's like oh but just getting another secret yeah <laughs> but oh well well i'm sure they'll do a couple of floaters first like oh there's no way that we could be related ha 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 and then you know like a couple episodes later oh yeah we're related ha 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 <laughs> just kidding right. jk all right so we're kind of like we got one chaos theory that sounds pretty outlandish the merman and then we've yeah. got one that's sounding more and more reasonable. We've right. almost talked to all of ourselves into it. Yes, true. So let's talk about Wait, one. Are, are we not? Like I not like true. the mermaid. I mean, the, the mermaid. mermaid. <laughs> the mermaid. Yeah, this is a great theory. That was not true either. I um, do want Tyrion to ride on Varys's back when he's the merman, like yeah. jumping through the water, like when Aquaman would ride on a dolphin's back, you know, in the Definitely. cartoon. God. Just gliding in and out of the water. Oh Jesus. Just that's the that's body. the final shot of the show and like it is a sunset you know close yeah. close yeah. iris on the shot and yeah. credits you know right. there you go kind of like, like a free willy moment you know where they jump up and they like, yay oh, jesus no okay no okay well since most of these are like these chaos theories are not so uh crazy let's talk about one that probably is really crazy and it, it just it's not gonna work we're not gonna we're not gonna this is this isn't gonna work out sorry theory and this theory is that Arya is actually dead um whatever could you mean i know in season six, <laughs> um i mean Arya had this like long journey with the faceless men and the waif was obviously this like real bitchy Bitch. girl who really just hated her for no reason and i think you know it's one of those like you know she just wanted to help her get better i suppose but she was a real real mean lady so once Arya takes a life that she wasn't uh, allowed to take which was i forget his name now um he was one of the king's guard uh who has a predilection for little girls so i'm glad that he's dead um the waif comes after Arya and she stabs her and she goes over the the 
wall into the water and escapes. And so we just sort of see Arya later, like that she survived and she's okay. But the theory is that um, the she actually did die. And the person that we see is the waif wearing Arya's face, um, which we've known the faceless men to do. Um, or I see the tailor has added that maybe is actually Dekinagar, um, which could also be true. I suppose I don't know. I mean, they change their face, but can they change their body type? Like, well, I don't know, I'll, like... I'll tell you this. Yes. Yes. Because remember that one scene where Arya is being confronted after she kills what's his butt um you know the, the pedo the pedophile um oh, remember yeah. remember they're going back and forth and jackin's like it basically like she's ripping off faces and like it's a it's the wave and then the wave takes off her face and she's jack and hagar so it's just like you know at this point jack such a cool character and i hate the fact that they left him in such a lame way yeah. that i'm like how cool would it be again i don't buy it i it would be ridiculous i mean this would be such a ridiculous thing to throw in at this at this late stage but it's like if it's gonna be anybody it's got to be jackin because we saw <laughs> we saw Arya and jackin like depart and then like they just i don't see how she would have survived if if not for the fact that you know she really died and jack and you know stepped in but like he's the only one who would know you know have an intimate sort of knowledge of her sense of justice and what she wanted to do and as kind of like a, a tribute to her i could see him being the one that's like i'm gonna i'll carry on yeah, i'll take well, care now, of it just to be a little uh chaos theory advocate that whole episode where the waif and aria were fighting was the most ridiculous episode of last season yeah, <laughs> yeah it really was, was. Like my i mean favorite. it was way over the the top like she jumps out of that window even the t2 the terminator 2 scene yeah right. like she escapes originally through like when she jumps in the water and uh the mummer it helps you know try to heal her or something even the, what looked like a killing blow and then the wave still shows up kills that mummer aria jumps out the window <laughs> rolls down the stairs i mean it was yeah it was epic yeah she's like she's like yeah total so jason born yeah <laughs> To, now to contradict that, I do think that when Arya says to Jockin, like, I'm Arya Stark, you know, like a girl has a name, it's Arya Stark, and I'm going home. And then especially when she kills Walder Frey, um, I can't remember exactly what she says there. Does she say the North remembers or does she say the Starks send their regards or something? I don't know. Yeah, something I like felt that. like that's a very Inigo Montoya moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was like my biggest one that the waif nor Jackin really would have knowledge of her hit list. So maybe Jackin a little bit more, but you know, they wouldn't really have any reason to try to go after the people she wanted to go after or have knowledge of why she wanted to go after them in the first place. And just for some practical reasons of like, if she was, if that character was dead, I don't think that Maisie Williams would be so heavily featured in the marketing that's coming out for this season. Um, unless they were just like really, really trolling us. <laughs> but even then it was like when they tried to pretend that John was dead, you know, they tried to like, no, he's not here. Like we have no photos of him. And like, he, we don't even know where he is, you know? So I think if, if it was the same thing of like that, she was actually pretend dead, um, you know, I don't think they would be flaunting her all around, like on entertainment weekly and like all these things. Hey man, I'll say, I'll say one thing. House of cards did it. And <laughs> Everybody's like, what? She was in all the promos. Oh, that's true. That's true. 
She was doing it. She actually, I, I that like actress just got spoiled for me. Well, not, I'm, I'm not going to say who, but that actress named name withheld um, was like even doing like, you know, interviews on Kimmel and stuff talking about it. And it's like, what the, you know, so. Troll. Yep. Epic troll. Yeah. <laughs> Cut that part. I didn't say who I didn't say. And hey, by the way, we're on season five of House of Cards. I know. Come like on. if you're not caught up with House of Cards by now, like get, I know. get on it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. It Let's talk about Todd's favorite theory. Todd's yeah. favorite book theory. This is a this is even crazier than the merman theory, if you can believe it. Um, so uh, this this is one that I had not found um, in other spaces like Reddit or whatever, though I'm sure it's around there. But it came from this YouTuber named Alt Shift X that crazy Game of Thrones fans have definitely heard of because he he really does a great job of explaining theories and just what happened in an episode and comparing it to the books. And it's like amazing how many quotes he pulls out and, you know, from the books and says this is exactly where this happened. And it's proof for everything. It's really cool. Uh, and that theory is that Bran ate Jojen. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so that he ate Jojen Reed. <laughs> and the way this goes, the way this goes, I even remember the chapter. I think it's in A Dance with Dragons, <laughs> Bran Chapter 3. Uh, so Bran is in the tree uh, with the children, you know, with the, uh, um, uh, what's his name? The Blood Raven. And uh, he's is, he is told, like, the children prepare this paste for him to eat. And he's told that it is the paste made of the weirwood tree and that it will give him the green sight um, that will, like, help his magic to grow. And he looks in the paste and it has these, like, deep red veins running through it that look like blood. And we all know that the weirwood trees have like seem to be bleeding anyway when they're carved into the face. So it doesn't seem that out of, you know, it doesn't seem like it's anything but a tree, but he eats it and it's really bitter and gross. Um, and then he never sees Jojen and Mira again. So when he like comes out of this trance, he's hoping to see them and they're not there. And before this has happened, Jojen has told him about, because Jojen has the green sight, or at least he has green dreams. He's not a too, true green seer but he has green dreams and before this happens jojen has told bran that he knows that he himself is not going to make it that he is going to die and mira says stop it you're scaring him and and jojen says something like oh he knows what's going to happen or something like that <laughs> he knows and then knows throughout that chapter there are all these like repeated phrases about knives and blood and magic and sacrifice and so some of the like um uh, you know other evidence uh tangential evidence is that Bran has already eaten people <laughs> what <laughs> because he's warged into uh, 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 uh what's yeah. his name his wolf right. who uh, has summer. summer wait no summer in that um is summer Bran's wolf yeah right oh I always feel like that's Rickon's I don't remember no Rickon's is shaggy dog oh shit. yeah yeah his has a little puppy name um so he's warged into summer and eaten people and like battled them and stuff like that or eaten them in the course of oh no I think he ate people when he was hungry um and we already know that other people have been ground up and made into food like when the frayed daughters I guess uh Arya serves them to Walter Frey Oh uh, no, the sons was, she killed. Or the well, sons, it wasn't yeah. Arya in the well in the, the yeah in the show stuff. it's Arya, but in the books, yes. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> what's his name? Um, uh, we see him in the show. His a uh, Glover, Glover, because um, Walder Frey killed his son also mm. at the Red Wedding. So 
Glover comes and like kills the sons, but they don't like distinctly talk about it. They just say like, I don't know where the sons were, but like, here's some pie. Like, yeah. (laughs) So this couldn't really happen in the show because Jojen doesn't disappear. He dies in a really explicit scene. Like he's about to die and Mira kind of mercy kills him and then blows him up so that the white walkers can't turn him into a walker. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do love that theory and it's super gross. And I just love the, uh, the book somehow. I just love the earnestness in which you described it. Like it, I was, I had to mute myself because I was laughing so hard. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, jo- Bran ate Jojen. Like, yeah. I'm pretty that. sure that's the title of the Alt Shift X video. And I did the same thing when I saw it. I was like, what? <laughs> That's the well. It's funny for the listeners at home. We have a, a list of show notes that we've been going through, and I have everything listed ahead of time, except for it just says Todd's fave book theory. No one has mentioned it here, <laughs> so I'm like, what could this possibly be? And the last thing I expected is Bran A. Jones. I felt the same way. I'm glad. I'm glad it caused some laughs. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay. Back to I'm not that, like theory. that's your favorite. Like of all the extensive <laughs> theories in the book, like that are not addressed, like right eating Bri- people. Brian eats children. I, love it. I, I think that's the Merman funny. theory was definitely my favorite until I heard about this one. Yeah, <laughs> Brian eats children. Well, there are obviously a lot of theories, so we have not even begun to cover all of them but i would like to cover a couple more before before we um end because there's some and a lot of these will probably be resolved in the next two seasons if not this season so um the first one i want to talk about is will jamie kill cersei and i know this one got started to get a lot of traction when last season obviously cersei has done a lot of really crazy things to get the iron throne shame uh you know that she basically like came back with a fucking vengeance um and a lot of people died and a lot of things have happened and that maybe she's not all together there that that the grief of losing all of her children um has maddened her a bit and that perhaps jamie is the one to enter so the the most damning evidence is that in the theory we see i think it was the beginning of season five we see young cersei and her friend go into the woods and talk to this seer woman maggie the frog and so in this in the prophecy uh she says that you know that she'll never marry a prince because she was married she was supposed to be married to rhaegar that she'll marry a king which she ends up marrying robert um that he'll have 16 or 26 kids and she'll only have three um and that all that they will all be blonde and they will all be crowned uh and they will all die and so once all her children are dead which they are now that the voluncar will strangle her to death and so in high valerian voluncar means little brother and i think they've talked about it on the show a few times that jamie is like three minutes younger than her or something he he came out second as their twins um so by that thinking he is uh experienced in killing mad rulers so maybe it's just sort of like his bit like he's like ah this king's quick crazy gotta gotta do it i know it's my lover sister but sorry <laughs> for the realm 
perhaps <laughs> for the realm here's but here's the thing like as a writer you want to take each character to their the most fulfilling kind of conclusion from a story standpoint but also if you spend a lot of time with that character you know for me at least i like reading and i like writing characters that have there needs to be a nice period a nice coda at the end of that and we've seen a lot of jamie's redemption story so far and I feel like just sort of sidelining him now to just be witness to Cersei's actions for the rest of the show or the rest of the of the, of the story seems a little just it just seems like a little bit of a cop out. And I George R. R. Martin has given us a lot of juicy, interesting, you know, directions for characters where they could have otherwise been sidelined. I just feel like this he kind of his conclusion needs to be he kills his sister. You know, he still has a friend out there in Brienne. He's got, you know, and if, if Tyrion and, and, and crew and you know, Daenerys end up taking over King's Landing, I can almost see a, a situation where Tyrion grants him mercy, you know, basically like it, it shows kindness to him as he was, you know, given kindness from Jamie. There just seems to be a lot of good connective tissue for Jamie have after he does that, but he almost needs that moment to f really finally truly break from his bad habits and actually become the man he needs to be. Um, I just don't, I don't, I just see that. And maybe it doesn't happen this season, but it needs to happen, I think, for me to feel satisfied for him as a character. Oh, did I just lose y'all? No, we're here. I no. <laughs> I love the idea that... Um, so we're profound. Just, you know, I should, just excited about stunned it. Stunned you to silence. <laughs> I love the idea that that, uh, that line that was in the first episode and that they brought back a couple seasons ago where he says like the things we do for love. Like if that's the line he says, as he's like plunging the sword into her heart, it would be so cool. Oh God. Yes. Um, he does believe that he and Cersei will die together. So where, I think where's that what, from? What I'm, I'm always hear that, but I never know the source. I was Googling it frantically as, um, as you were speaking and I know it's in the, uh, um, yeah, I know it's in the books. Um, Actually, sorry, Cersei says that apparently. Uh, yeah, we came into this world together. We belong together. Oh, maybe that's not it. But I, but I believe Jamie said that as well, that they will, they will die together. Um, or that he doesn't want to live without her or something like that. So I, I can see this ending like a murder-suicide kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be satisfying. Um, there was one, again, High Valerian is not an exact translation into the common tongue. So there was a point made of this theory that it could mean little sibling in general. I mean, the other part is she has two little brothers. So it could be Jamie. It could also be Tyrion. But that if little sibling is the actual translation, it doesn't have to be her little sibling. It could just be any younger uh, sibling. So my, I think what would be really cool is that Arya kills her as she is a little sibling um and that she Cersei's been at the top of her list all these years that I think finally you know I mean we've we've seen Arya slowly start to tick off the names on the list and I think having Arya you know find Jon find Sansa survive this war get to King's Landing and get to check off that last name on her list Cersei Lannister would be super super cool mm. um i like that too yeah it, it doesn't quite have the the tight little ending between jamie and cersei because you know their story is so weaved in through the mm -hmm. the books and the show um but yeah i mean that'd be so great if Arya finally got 
like that fatality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it especially because so many of Arya's list has already been knocked off, not by Arya. You know, they've died from other natural causes, or other people have gotten to them first. So it's she needs a few. She needs a few wins. You oh, know, it's no fun just watching them die of natural causes, or you know, not her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did find the quote that I was uh, referencing, and I and I got it backwards. It was not necessarily proof that um, they would die together. It's it's what Jamie cites that the reason that he cannot die in battle is because he said, "I cannot die while Cersei lives. We will die together as we were mm. born together." Right. So it could be. I mean, according to that, if we take the Volunkar to be someone else, some maybe we'll see like them both die. Like he dies in that battle that we see in the trailer with the dragons flying overhead and all that, just as someone kills her. Mm, that would be cool. Yeah, that's true. Well, a lot of people still have to die. A lot of people have died. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that video where it's like the 106,000 deaths that have been going on on Game of Thrones so far. Oh like most of them are like, you know, troops and, and stuff with people on the ships. But there's one guy who seems to avoid death really, really well. And that's Peter Baelish of, I don't know how you guys really feel about Peter Baelish. I have mixed feelings about him. I think he's a conniving son of a bitch, but that he also has, you know, he's not altogether bad. I don't think he is necessarily a good guy, but I don't know if he's one of the bad guys. Um, but definitely, I think his fate will be decided in the next uh, two seasons, if if maybe not this season. So the why I added this one was because people were very, like, hand-wavy excited on the cover of the Entertainment Weekly or whichever ones they were um, with the Stark children or Stark Targaryen children um aria seems to be wearing peter's dagger totally and so this is the dagger that we see when ned in the first season when ned comes to accuse cersei and peter baelish puts the dagger to his throat it's that dagger we, we also mm. see it a, a few more times in the series um so it's kind of recognizable and she seems to be wearing it so like the obvious answer is like maybe he gives it to her i don't know like oh, he, he's super in love with her sister like maybe he just gifts aria this cool dagger i don't know but the the other theory is that she murders him for it yeah i bet sansa's like hey aria that guy looked at me wrong yeah and she's like oh, <laughs> yeah, okay i got it you know. no worries and then comes back with the dagger yeah. yeah and that i mean peter is partially responsible for her father's death you know he tricked him basically he you know into saying like no i'll stand up for you or i'll hide you i'll save your children whatever and then you know puts a dagger to his throat so that ned gets arrested um also he definitely has all that creepiness towards sansa which i think sansa's kind of like falling for a little bit of like mm. hey guy but i she were I my sister i think she's using him more than anything i think yeah. sansa sees that she can use this person of power true Ooh. hopefully and i like that perspective is is Sa like so my thing i think i had a tweet the other day about people in the trailer were like confused like why would sansa not like john like um hey look if i had made a deal with the literal devil to help <laughs> save my uh ancestral home and my brother and then the, all these dudes voted for him to be the king in the north yeah. i'd be pissed too yeah so peter obviously supports sansa as queen in the north and so maybe he might try to do some maneuvering to get rid of john 
whom Arya is quite close to. So there's a variety of reasons why Arya would probably want to kill him. Um, why most people would want to kill him. Um, but I, I think she ends up doing it. I'm going to make another... I want to make another sort of uh, or put another sort of slant on that. In the same way that Jamie Lannister's character, I feel like needs a, a nice coda as it relates to Cersei. I don't see where Peter Baelish's character goes from here. It was not it, nothing was more obvious to me than when uh, John beat, um, uh, what's his face? <laughs> I just forgot his damn name. Um, in the Battle of the Bastards, like you know, they won. Oh, Ramsay. Ramsay, thank you, good lord. Um, you know, they he beat Ramsay, they won, everything worked, you know, and then everybody crowned him king. Peter was standing there like kind of like, oh shit, what what do I do now? Um, hmm. Not what I expected. Uh you know, it's just it's, he seemed to be out of place. Like for all the years of him, you know, at King's Landing, like you know, pulling levers and you know, twisting knobs and being all Machiavellian and secret, and you know, like we just loved him for all those different things. He seems to be kind of at the end of his road, in my opinion. Like he just I don't know where he goes from here. And I don't know like what else he can contribute to the to the story in a world where John is king, Daenerys is has just arrived with her whole horde and has dragons. So no matter what sort of you know deals within deals he's made, uh, a dragon can just roll right over that. Um, you know, and, and Cersei's obviously gone crazy in King's Landing. Like, where does that leave him? And I just I, I feel like he's either going to be a cudgel, you know, for some greater purpose, or that's a great way for Arya to sort of. You know, if she can't get to Cersei, that's kind of the next best thing in my mind. Is just well, she takes out you know Peter Baelish for all the reasons Emily Emily listed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't see what you do with Peter Baelish in season seven and eight. I do. I like this theory because, um, as I've said several times on Wednesday and Westeros, like the first three books to me are so good because of the mystery of who killed John Aaron and and what set all this in motion, and then it was in the show it was like kind of i i felt like not given the weight when it's revealed that peter baelish had all this you know he was one manipulating everybody behind the scenes mm-hmm. in the show that just kind of got glossed over i mean we know he's a manipulator but in the books i felt like that was a big ass deal like <laughs> um so i love that i uh to emily i have a question for you that mm-hmm. dagger that we've been talking about though so is that the dagger that killed John Aaron that was then found with uh, Tyrion or whatever. You know, I, I, oh. I can't quite remember the whole chain of possession. Yeah. Um, but, the, you know, there's a part where Peter says, like, oh, I can answer that question. It's my dagger. I lost it in a, uh, you know, gamble or something. Like that. Or something. Yeah, yeah, I think it is the same one. I okay. think it is. And I think it's very, like, the handle is very recognizable because it's, like, the, the fingers like the tower the fingers where he grew up or something like that like it's definitely unique to him um and we see it a few times in the book and a few times in the show um but i think you're right i think it may be that same dagger hmm interesting mm-hmm. maybe that's lightbringer chaos theory so Peter is uh, very good behind the scenes action, but there's a lot of dudes in Game of Thrones who are more of a, a go-getter type guys. And our two of our favorite guys, this is this is Taylor's favorite theory, is the, the Clegane Bowl is back on because they're both alive-ish and accounted for. Um, so like 
let's get to it because this is the fucking like we've all been waiting for this like the the hound needs you know he's on this redemption arc and the mountain is the zombie Zombie. guy so but i think especially on the hound's end you know for his redemption to be complete he really needs to finally end things with the brother who tortured him and kind of turned him into this nasty guy in the first place um his story has been so great these these last several episodes um with the hound yeah with Ian McShane for one episode, like what the hell? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Ian McShane's like, "Okay, bye. I just gotta go to make American Gods. See you later." Yeah, um, I wonder if they didn't have greater plans for him until that happened. They're like, "Oh, we've got this. We'll introduce you. It could be this kind of cool side character." But you know, for what it was, that episode was awesome. So yeah, true, true. it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was heartbreaking. Ugh. I know, I'm the worst. <laughs> so we're pretty sure that we see like there's a scene in the second trailer that we've just seen where the Hound appears to be in the south because the sun is shining and he looks like he's about to be in battle with someone. Hope it's mm-hmm. the mountain. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, like here, mountain. what do you do again, going back to like, just, we have to start thinking as viewers. Now we have to start thinking like writers, like what is, you know, there are pieces on the board and there's only so much board left. So what's yeah. the most logical conclusion to get the most satisfying result? And, I, and I, you know, yeah. you gotta you gotta get rid of the mountain somehow. He can't just like you know be around and just forgotten. Like it's he's got to have like a you know an amazing kind of end. And I you know what better? I mean, I just think I just think to the end of this series, we're gonna have so many loose ends tied up in in potentially amazingly satisfying ways. It almost might be, almost might be too much. Um, you know, but like what what does he do? But here's a better question: Arya left him for dead. Now, does he, you know, do they have a, 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 an encounter before he, you know, goes on to fight his brother? Does she play a part in that? Does she somehow help? You know, there's, I feel like there's more to their story that I think might bleed into Clegane Bull in some way, shape, or form. So not to be a wet blanket on that, but you mentioned that spot in the trailer too where uh, uh, Thor, wait, it's not a Thoros that we see. It's uh, Beric Dondarrian. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said Thoros. Yeah, Beric Dondarrian. Where he's in the north, like clearly in some snow fighting with John. I believe we also see the Hound there because the Hound has been with That's the right. Brotherhood Without Banners. Mm-hmm. So for him to get from the north where there's clearly some heavy shit going on all the way down south to fight the mountains does seem unlikely. He took that he took that Valerian hyperloop that uh, Varus and Area and all those guys uh, took to get to where they go. That's how they get around so fast. They just, you know, we don't, yeah. we don't they don't want to burden us with, you know, a shot of her just sitting in like a, you know, a car just sitting there waiting. And... <laughs> yeah, boring. Exactly. Exactly. True, true. Um they're a good pairing. They're they're brothers. Uh a, a pairing that is my favorite and I I understand that people will think this is sort of gross, but get over it, okay? I got a grosser one coming up after it. I know. I, the, yours is way grosser than mine. <laughs> so, but in the in the context of Westeros, both are not that outrageous. Okay, so my ship, the, my my crack ship, as it were, at this point, is that John and Danny will hook it up. And this has been like from day one. People have been like, it's like those first, like when he wasn't so young, like maybe so season two, and they did like cast photos together, and he's like holding her, like they're like both seated down. It's like, oh god, they're so beautiful together. Like, please, because she's always like she was always in white, and he was always in black. Like they like look really good together. Mm. So the Targaryens have a history of marrying their siblings, brothers and sisters. So hot, hot. Um, so the fact that Daenerys would 
be his uh, aunt would maybe not be too weird considering he didn't even ever know his parents. You know, they didn't like grow up together or anything. Todd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, you know, it's not so gross, but okay. I, I can understand why people are like kind of uncomfortable about it. So, but my thing uh, about it, and that's why I was kind of excited when Taylor brought up that maybe Azor Ahai is not one person, but a couple of that John and Danny getting together would be a true song of ice and fire, just like Leanna and Rhaegar of that. John obviously represents the ice of the North, Danny, the fire of the dragons. So if they are getting together and potentially maybe even having children together, you know, those children like John would be this song of ice and fire kind of character. Um, so, and I just really, I, they're, I like it. Like, I just, I think that they would be good together and I love them. So let me, uh, let me go off on a tangent. I just, I, it's not in the notes, so I apologize, but there are a subset of fans who say all of that and want all of that and actually agree with all that. Only instead of John and Daenerys, they're shipping for Sansa and Daenerys. And oh, I don't, okay. I don't know quite. I've, 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 I've sort of like observed these discussions and have, have tried to like, you know, I'm like, where, what, really? And it's, it's definitely shipping, but it's, it's like, and, and, it, but it always ends with, and then you will f finally see a true song of ice and yeah. fire, <laughs> and, and they, and the whole back, the whole kind of like the, the whole uh, shaky ground this is standing on is the fact that, well, Daenerys is always, she gave Yara some, some, you know, love me eyes, so that means she's open to it, right, right, and it's just like. <laughs> Okay, I mean that's a really, really big stretch. I would much rather see what you're describing because it makes. And here's what I'm. I almost think what will happen. I think Daenerys is going to suggest it, and you're going to get some line from John going, "I'm not going to marry my aunt." You know, just some, <laughs> just throw away. You know, like he's not into it. He's not going to. You know, and she'll give you all the reasons. She's like, "Hey, man, this is going to work out." You know, after every, all the dust is settled, she'll give you some sh spiel about how. You know, we need to unite the entire, you know, all of Westeros needs to be united. And the best way to do that is for us to hook up. Tyrion will be like, hey, she's right. Makes makes good sense. And he's going to be like, no, I really, I'm, I'm just tired. I just want to go. <laughs> I like I, redheads. You're, I you're, you're a lot. Yeah. You know, you got three dragons. It's a lot of baggage. Uh, I don't know. I do think that, uh, you know, if there there's like a lot of like, it's right on the nose kind of thing. And which... For, because we've invested so much time in like all these crazy conspiracy theories, we tend to ignore the like right on the nose kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But if all this had happened a lot faster, like if George R. R. Martin could write books in a normal amount of time, <laughs> it, this would still be like a great mystery to be revealed that John and Daenerys, you know, get together because you're right. It, that is a song of ice and fire. Um, they've planted all those seeds about the, you know, cousins marrying a brother and sister and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it's not really gross. They didn't grow up together or anything like that. Um, it's just like her being Azora high. I mean, she is like literally, you know, it's like the stone dragon eggs were reborn in her presence in the smoke and fire and all that kind of stuff. And I, I, I think sort of like from a good writing perspective, that's what all this set up long a long time ago. It's just that we've had so much time in between the the installations that we like tend to start to you know uh, conspiracy theory about it all and go off the rails. Like, well, keep in I'm mind gonna... too, he may have he may have started off thinking that was exactly how it was going to happen, and then got obsessed with this, with this idea that oh no no, John's actually a Targaryen. Like he may have started off, John may have been like a not a Targaryen and had some other backstory entirely. 
and was still, you know, he was going to come back to life and all that stuff. But maybe we wound up this way, which is just, you got to almost kind of think of like, where is his mind? Where, what did he get bored with? And what is he still interested in as a writer? And like, what, you know, how is the show going to either capitalize on that or just ignore it for the sake of the show? Because we're at that point now where they really have to get very specific with the stories and the reveals they have to tell. Because what, what do we have? 13 episodes left in total. Isn't something yeah. like that seven and uh, six next year? Yeah. Okay, Todd, do your ship. <laughs> do your gross ship. So, <laughs> hashtag gross ship. So, John, of course, in the last episode was proclaimed king in the north. And we've also discovered that he is not actually like a Stark in the lineage sort of terms. He is a Targaryen. So, he really needs to legitimize his position in the north. And what better way to do that? than by marrying Sansa Stark, <laughs> who is a queen of the North, truly. Sister, dude. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they're, they're just half cousins, <laughs> I think. I mean, they're, they're cousins. They're cousins, they're not they're half. Cousins. You're right. It's full yeah. cousins. Yeah. But, you know, in the land of ice and fire. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, you know they they they're they're a step away from the Targaryen kind of brother sister stuff. So really, um, what this is down to is what's creepier: marrying your nephew or marrying your cousin? And like, right? That's really where we're at. True. Uh, nephew seems creepier to me, but um, so in the books, John and Sansa don't really have a relationship at all. Like, they don't ever talk, and then he goes to the wall. It's not a big a big deal. Um, she is a redhead. <laughs> and we know. We know. He, prefers the redheads. Um, and also in George R. R. Martin's original outline, Arya falls in love with John. So oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That's my that's my case. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about the thing I saw in the video, which is the prophecy of this Ashford tournament, which was discussed in the the Hedge Knight stories or whatever. Oh um, yes, yes. Which is there is a uh, Lady Ashford who has a number of suitors who are in this tournament. One's a Baratheon, one's a Lannister, one's a Tyrrell, and one's a Harding, and then one's a Targaryen. And Sansa, as we all know, has been betrothed to a Baratheon, a, a Tyrrell, um, a Lannister, and in the books, at least, she is to be engaged to Harold Harding when she's in the Eyrie. Yes, so yeah. the only one missing from her list is a Targaryen, <laughs> and that would be John. I like it. Bingo. Nice. Yeah. All right. Mary's a brother, cousin, whatever. So, brother cousins. You know what would be great is if we had a sister wife kind of situation go on here where Sansa and Daenerys and John all get together. <laughs> Big love, song of ice and fire, yeah. ship it. Danny actually does consider that. Like she, she, when she, after Drago's dead and they're in uh, the one of the conquered cities and a guy proposes marriage to her and she's like, well, I mean, my ancestors, I have three dragons. Like, I could take a second husband. Like, maybe she marries two people. Maybe she marries John and, and Tyrion. Um, that's another theory that they all just kind of, like, get together. Wow. What if it ends in a in that kind of scene? Varys, this mer merman is splashing through the water, and there's just, like, an orgy going on at Winterfell. Oh it's directed by the Wachowskis. It's like a sensate scene where there's just like this giant orgy music video that goes on for like, you know, <laughs> three or four minutes. And you're like, what the hell? Like it just yes. ends. I was thinking it would be like the end scene of Sausage Party, that animated <laughs> movie. Sadly, I've never seen that. Oh my God. 
Actually, no, fortunately, I've never seen that. No, Taylor, actually, you would love it. You need to watch that. <laughs> well, it's food doing it, so it's not, you know, weird or anything. Fair enough. Or, or, or double weird. weird. Or double weird. <laughs> anyway. One family, uh, Westeros family, that we haven't talked about is the Greyjoys. Mostly because there's just, like, so few of them left. And they've been kind of not mattering so much until, like, the very end of this last season where now Theon and Yara have teamed up with Danny. So the other Greyjoy is Eron. They're like evil pirate uncle. In the books, he's like way cooler. Like he has like an eye patch and like a, a monkey or something or a bird. Like he's like this legit crazy pirate dude. Um, and in the books, he plans to like go across the sea and like marry Danny. And not in like a nice way, like I'm gonna propose to her, like I'm gonna like woo her. He's basically like, we're getting married, whether she likes it or not, which is really creepy and terrible. So like mm. good luck, bro, because of the dragons. Um, and in the books, like at the very end, he has been said to like acquire have acquired this horn there's a lot of horns in in westeros of like horns that can control things like remember john's whole thing with the with the free people of this horn that can control winter or the white walkers and stuff or the the giants and all these things so he has a horn called dragon binder allegedly that he found in the ruins of old valeria he claims it it can control a dragon but like he's never met a dragon um so he hasn't like tested it yet but if he can control one of her dragons, it would like be super bad for one, because we need the dragons to help fight all these white walkers. And two, could make him a dragon rider and sort of like a shoo-ined, non-consenting third head of the dragon, dragon rider. Um, but mostly just um, F this guy, because he's terrible and I hate him. I hope he like meets the dragon, blows the horn, it doesn't do anything, and then the dragon just eats him. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> That's kind of a fitting end for that guy, especially on the show, because on the show, he just sort of rolls in. Like, oh, I'm Euron Greyjoy. Hi, everybody. Hi. I mean, especially yeah. after Yara just gave that like amazing speech. You're like, oh, I love Yara. And he's like, yeah, fuck that. Um, I'm Euron. You may not have heard of me, but I, I am definitely a Greyjoy, and you will all follow me now. That's like, okay. He's all like, I'm the one here who has a penis, so I guess you guys will all follow me and mm. not her, even though she's way better. Right. And, and murders his brother, just throws him off like his legitimate oh. king brother. Brother, just throws him off the walk like an a-hole yeah. like an yeah. a serious a-hole i hate that guy let's also you know who i also think is the worst brand brand is Whoa. the worst <laughs> he's okay. a leader and not brand. because he ate he ate rick uh yeah, what's his face <laughs> not because yeah not because he ate jojen but like he got hodor killed okay i know okay totally Fuck. um and well there's like so many theories about bran that he's he's time traveling bran the builder that he in his th three-eyed raven thing drove the mad king mad by whispering to him and stuff um but mostly he's the worst because in his three-eyed raven things we saw that he went to the place where the night king is and the night king in his night king magicalness grabs bran and marks him and so that's how before hodor dies that that the the white walkers can cross over this magical barrier because bran is behind it um so fun fact guess what else has a big giant magical barrier from white walkers the wall so if bran is he's on his way back to the wall we assume if he crosses the wall 
presumably the Night King's zombie army could like cross the, cross wall. the wall as well because Bran is the goddamn worst. <laughs> he is a real <laughs> doucher. Don't like him. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really solid theory there because I mean, it's if that magic is tied. Mm -hmm. And the White Walker did touch him. He broke sort of that that barrier. Uh, Brand fucked up. And if he continues, it does seem that the White Walker is just going to follow him mm -hmm. all the way south. Yeah, that would make me sad though, because this entire time I've been waiting for that dramatic moment where like somebody blows the Horn of Winter and the entire wall just crumbles. Like you know, as like that sort of like final like oh my god scene. I do agree. As soon and as it's... I saw that wall made of ice, the first thing I thought was, I want to see that bit shatter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's gonna be really disappointing if it's like, nope, it was just Brand. He's just being a douchebag and came over and like there's no need. <laughs> He just like crawled across, and like now the whole zombie army is here. Okay, like uh... there's a there's a whole scene where the the Night King he's got the horn, he's got everybody lined up, he's about to blow, and he's like, wait, what? And he like sees this like sees like the shadow of Bran like going under the wall. He's like, oh, and just tosses the horn aside. <laughs> Let's follow him. Let's just go. We don't even well, need this. I'm with you. I I I don't like the way that's been planted. Like there were so many show viewers who I think kind of missed that one line about how the magic of the treehouse didn't work once brand got marked <laughs> and treehouse. so for them to have to explain how the wall works that way again yeah but remember we've got like taylor always says <laughs> at the beginning of the episode if we see those people reminding brand about the magic in the wall <laughs> but we've got we've got maester exposition down in old town who can at any time anytime we yeah. need any information we just cut to sam with some big scroll mm -hmm. it's like oh and isn't it true sorry random aside isn't it true that michael gambin has been cast as like the head maester did i read that did i make that up <laughs> i don't know who that is michael gambin is dumbledore. dumbledore he was dumbledore i could have swore i read something that michael gambin is like dad right there's no exactly there's no but there's going to be a head maester and it was either michael gambin or someone of that of that caliber is going to oh, be the head maester but i just i have these i just i know they're just going to anytime they need to like reveal some big information it's like let's go to old town and see what sam's up to <laughs> why look look at this right here it says that the wall is made of magic and can be brought down if oh no and it cuts back to bran like crawling yeah. through it you know <laughs> I came up with, I came up across a bit of rare magic in the restricted section. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Maester Hogwarts. Maester did Hogwarts. you put your did, yeah. did you put your name in the goblet of fire, Sam? It's like, oh, quit shaking me so violently. I, I thought we were friends. No. <laughs> Why are you mean all of a sudden? Why did that happen? Oh, Taylor, He's whenever right. we do our giant uh, Harry Potter lore. Uh, episode or plural episodes we need to have peter and emily on yes oh, I please agree. Uh, we are also uh, well, we were going to talk about it at the end but our july fan theories is harry potter <gasps> oh please i don't i don't need to be on that because i don't know anything about harry potter really okay. and i have watched well, all the movies you guys want to do harry potter as well happy to yeah, yeah. Because I will cry a lot. Holla at your wizard. As per usual. I think I cry on every show that I'm on. Um because I just get really emotional about stuff. It's true. <laughs> oh, Wells. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about a lot of theories, so I want to wrap up with with one that potentially will will also be one of these like loose ends that we've never really solved on the show that will get solved, and that's Gendry. Gendry mm. being back, um, because considering a line of succession, if if they are going in, in turn now, he's the only like legit heir to the Iron Throne. 
be as Robert Baratheon's surviving bastard. They Joffrey killed all the other bastards and Gendry got away. So if you if you discount Daenerys's claim that you know Robert was a usurper this whole time, anyways. So the last we saw Gendry is that Davos had put him on the boat and was he was you know rowing away from Westeros potentially <laughs> to go somewhere across the ocean to hopefully be okay. Um, and there's no like confirmed of him being back but i did see some leaked set photos where the actor who plays gendry was seen with um thoros myrrh hanging out with Jon snow so how is this happening like maybe he has heard of the troubles and is finally coming back and my thing about this is that gendry is a very skilled smith and perhaps mm. he will be able to form some more Valerian steel weapons in order to fight the White Walkers, as we've proven that those are kind of one of the only things that work. Now that dragons are back, we the dragons can can make the Valerian steel with dragon's breath, and then Gendry could be like they're like um, a Hephaestus sort of guy Ooh. of like this this smith to the resistance. Um, God, I love that. I love yeah. it. I love it. I'm so. so I, I hope it's, I, got- I hope it's true. I got a great theory to add here, which is that uh, Dragonstone, which we've that we've been at before, but there were at least some good shots in the trailer of it. Um, in the books, is uh, it sits on a volcanic island or something like that or whatever, yeah. and it is filled with obsidian, which is the other. Isn't that the that's the other thing that can kill White Walkers? That's yeah, uh, right. yeah. Dragonglass kissed by fire, made right? By fire. So, what if Gendry just rode? in a circle and landed back at Dragonstone, <laughs> like not knowing where he was. Or he's like out in the middle of sea and he's like, runs into this merman. And that yeah. guy was like, you just need to turn around. Like, hey man, I, I need directions. <laughs> yeah. Merman. Merman, sir. Yeah, but he could be at Dragonstone making uh, dragon glass weapons. That would be really cool. That would be cool. I'm excited. I it It's kind of, he's one of those characters like, you we really didn't know what was going to happen to him because he was basically two characters he was like there's like two major bastards in the books and he just kind of got like made into both of them so and i kind of hope my another ship is gendry and Arya, so that maybe he's being back him and Arya will finally like have their time now that she's grown and like i'm actually a big fan of that that's actually one of the ships that i'm actually really on board with yeah i I just Um, i have got icky feelings she was so young when they met she yeah, was, but, but it just now, yo. it it makes sense. Although I I still love Todd's original like I, I idea of like yeah at the very end there's after after the credits there's a PS scene and it's just Gendry on a boat just whistling and just rowing just you know it's well, all now you see. now yeah. I want that to happen but yeah. but Varys is jumping in and out of the water around him <laughs> right. and there's just like a sunset and you see Baelish in the tower at the Eyrie like uh, waving to them or whatever the Eyrie Var- Varys rolls up to the boat and Gendry's like who are you he's like my name is Varys, and I have one question for you. It's like, yes. Would you like? Would you like to know more about the Avengers Initiative? Oh, <gasps> dun dun dun! And, just, and it becomes like, you're like, wait, what? What? It could even be something and as simple so as, would you like to go on a, the yeah. Avengers Initiative? Yeah, exactly. And then we start on the, all the all the all the sequels that you know we have to unite everybody, and this goes on forever. And George R. R. Martin. I like it. I'm into it. If if anyone is listening who works on the show, we're available. Okay, we're all available to write <laughs> the ending of this series. Okay, we're here. <laughs> we'll just wait for your call. 
I just want like endless PS scenes, like almost like almost like uh, Return of the King style, where it's just like one after the other after the other until we're like, oh right. Christ, is this over finally? <laughs> and it's like right, right, like oh yeah, I remember those guys. God, I haven't seen them for like twelve hours. This movie's gone on forever. Oh my God. I mean, I kind of want to rewatch them again. I know, me too. But uh, whatever. <laughs> after this, yeah. After this, this very long discussion that we've had. If you've listened to the entire episode. We congratulate you. you and applaud you. Um, please tweet at me if you do, because I want to give you like a gold star or something. This was a very lengthy we will, episode. We will mail you. We will use the postage to mail you a gold star. Yes, if you listen to this almost an hour and a half episode. Um, thank you, Todd and Taylor. As always, this was super, super fun. Thank you so much for having us. That was a lot of fun. I hope yeah. you get you're good. I'm glad that you guys had fun and you're not like dying of thirst or hunger because we've kept you so long. <laughs> oh, I, I love this. It gets me all excited about the show again, you know? Yes, me too. So this episode will also air on Wednesday in Westeros. That is true. This coming week. Cool. So I'll tell you, uh, you're hearing this in one of those places, but it doesn't really, it, uh, but we will put it out. Yeah, there's a Fan Theories uh, podcast and there's Wednesday in Westeros. We'll go on fan theories on Monday and Wednesday and Westeros on Wednesday. And double. Yeah, double you can listening. subscribe to either of those places at there.network. And we're going to kick off Wednesday and Westeros, I believe, the week after this, like the first week of July. Excellent. All right. Yeah, so we're going to do a preview episode before the whole season kicks off. Um, yeah, we're just going to hit the ground running. And we would love to have you both on on that to recap episodes with us. Yes, please. Of course. My fave. Always available. Yes. And so where can we and, and the, the listeners find you guys on, on the interwebs? Uh, you can yell at me about all my misremembered uh, book knowledge on Twitter at hey Todd A. And you can find me at Taylor Trask, T-A-Y-L-O-R-T-R-A-S-K. <laughs> and as always, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at that Emily Kelly. And my handle is at screenwriter. And make sure that you subscribe. You really like this show. We had a couple other previous episodes, and you can find them on the Their Network, uh, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, as well as Wednesday and Westeros, The Todd and Taylor Show, and all the fantastic other podcasts that are on this wonderful Their Network they're a part of. Um, just a reminder that Game of Thrones airs July 17th, 2017. So hopefully we will have a lot more theories to talk about after the series starts and uh, maybe some of the theories that we talked about today will be proven in the next couple of episodes. He is definitely a mermaid. Definitely a mermaid. Merman. 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 Merling. 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 Yes. He is of the mer persuasion. Mer persuasion. And we mentioned before, our next fan theories will focus all about my uh, life-changing favorite fandom is Harry Potter, and that will be in July. And coincidentally, uh, that is the 31st of July, which is Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling's birthday. So you guys can look for that right here on the their network and oh, thank you guys hey, for listening we'll see you in the next one okay I'll love say you one bye. more thing find us at san diego comic-con later <laughs>